Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Hallelujah. Very quickly, I want to do a brief commentary of James chapter 5 verse 16. And I know it's very common for us to emphasize the second part of that text. So we'll do verse 16b, but we'll come back to the later part, the earlier part later. James chapter 5, verse 16b, it says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Listen, I know it's a text you know very well. But as loud as you can and with conviction, I want you to read it together. One, two, go. Read it again. One, two, go. Read it again. One, two, go. Read it again. One, two, go. Say this prophetically. Say, my prayer works. Say, my prayer works. Say, prayer is working for me. Say, prayer is working for me. Say, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Listen, the same Greek word that was translated avails much was used in Acts 19.20. So mightily grew the word of God and prevails. So meaning is saying, the effective prayer of a righteous man prevails. It can prevail over sickness. It can prevail over hardship. It can prevail over affliction. It can prevail over demonic forces. Do you believe that? He's talking about prevailing prayer. So I want you to say that the effective, heartfelt prayer of a righteous man, say, prevails. Say, today, I prevail in prayer. Do you know what that means? It means that if there was any boundary, you break through it. You prevail upon it. It prevails. And we just want to talk about that for a few minutes. First and foremost, if the Bible tells us that prayer prevails, why is it that many people, or let me say some people, don't know about this. Why is it that some people have not really encountered the power of prayer? And I, I, I listen, I want to tell you in humility, I experience this every week. Like I see prayers work in my life. I see them work for me. God doesn't leave us without a witness. In this ministry, no. We receive testimonies every week. Every week. You know, we've been having daily prayers. I gave a word of knowledge. I said, there is someone here, your mom suddenly fell sick. Everything just shut down. She had been healthy hitherto, and this just happened. I said, I prophesy in the name of Jesus that she's healed. Now, the mom had developed this lung disease. They had tried many things and it wouldn't get better. 
She heard that word. She knew it was for her. She believed it. She received it. Now, oh, look at this Jesus. The next day, her mom was sleeping, and in the dream, I walked to her. No, the mom attended our program in a dream. And in the dream, I walked to her, laid hands on her. She fell in the dream. And this woman woke up perfectly healed. Perfectly healed. Prayer works. You see, and this is the problem. When we try it and it doesn't work, we just say, yeah, it doesn't work. It it works every day, no matter what you think. (laughs) With due respect to your experience, this thing works. I can share testimony upon testimony. Medically proven. I try not to share things that are not medically proven. I mean, the testimony I just shared, it's a doctor. He knew this patient. He tested the person. He had treated the person over the years. And the person comes again and says, test me again. Ah! He said, I have to come to that church. I think a doctor should know if someone is healed. (laughs) Maybe we we are just... um, But if a doctor says, ah, I must attend that program. He knows something. He saw something. Praise the Lord. So, now, even if we read many books on prayers, we have to investigate why prayers are not answered. It's something to investigate. Because the word of God says, the effective prayer of a righteous man prevails. So if my prayer is not prevailing, it is worth the investigation. Why? Why isn't it happening? Because it is foolish to do the same thing and expect a different result. Uh, Maybe there is something I need to learn, and I want to tell you categorically, yeah, there is something you need to learn. First and foremost, it says, the effective prayer of a righteous man. Listen. It's not just about how eloquent you are. It's first about about who you are, not what you do. Many people, when it comes to prayer, they are particular about the modus operandi. How should I shake my head? How loud should my tone be? What should I say? How many times should I repeat these words? My father, my father, you know? And all those things are powerful and nice. But first and foremost is who you are. You see, the Bible tells us about the seven sons of Sceva. They saw Paul cast out devils and they took notes. So they went and they did everything they saw, copied all the procedures. And the demon said, Jesus we know. Paul we know. Who are you? Meaning, The fact that it's not working for you does not mean it doesn't work. We just don't know you. We just don't know you. We know Jesus. And if it was Jesus who said the same thing you said, we will go. If it was Paul who said the same thing you said, we will go. But we don't know you. So that means it's not so much about words. It's not so much about the tonality or the volume. 
It's first and foremost about who you are. And listen, this is very important in this culture because we have a culture that is more particular about the gifts than the giver. So there are many people who don't even like God, who don't, are not interested in anything spiritual, but they don't mind being prayed for. They believe in the power of prayer. As a pastor, I'm, I'm telling you many times, when I go to places and people see that I'm a pastor, they try to accost me and say, Pastor, pray for me. Don't go without praying. And many times I look at the person and I can tell this person is not living a life that honors God, nor is the person willing to. But the person wants a prayer. Who is a righteous man? A righteous man is a person who believes in Jesus and acts like it. The person who believes in Jesus and acts like it. And time is fast spent. But I will just run through three texts that emphasize this. The power of position, the posture of your heart in prayer. Not just about what you say, but first and foremost, who you are. You know what the Bible says in John chapter 15 verse 7? It says, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done for you. A lot of people think prayer is just about asking. But it's first and foremost about your position. Who are you? This is conditional. If you abide in me, listen. So, I want to ask this morning, are you, are you a child of God? Listen, it is true that God hears the prayer of sinners, but he does that to lure them to righteousness. Not to pamper them in unrighteousness. For them to go on the way they are living. Uh-uh. Are you a child of God? Are you born again? I'm not even saying are you perfect. But are you growing in sanctification? This is the word of the Lord to you. If you abide, it's first and foremost a position. So listen, prayer is meant to be the offshoot of a vibrant relationship with the Lord. A vibrant, when, when they heard Jesus pray, they knew that he had a deep relationship with the person with whom he was, to whom he was praying. They could tell. He called God Father. First time ever that someone would do that. He called God Father. He had a relationship with this deity. That's what prayer is meant to be. Outward expression of a vibrant relationship with the Lord. If you abide in me. Next text I want to share with you. Portressing the same point. It's James chapter 4 verse 3. He says, you ask and do not receive. So listen, he's about to tell you why your prayers don't work. He says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss. You ask amiss. Don't you realize you are talking to a spirit? You can hide your motivations, your motives from the person by your side, but not from God. He sees everything and he can look and say, hmm. These people draw nigh with their lips, but their hearts are far away. He measures the distance of your heart. He knows. 
He knows that that miracle you are asking for, if you see it, we will not see you in church again forever. He knows that this is transactional. This is transactional. He sees that. And then he says that you may spend it on your pleasures. Consume it upon your loss. You know, some people, the reason why they are looking for spiritual things is for carnal reasons. Even when you are praying that God should bless you, it's so that you can oppress someone, you can outclass someone. Listen, this culture must end in church. Say amen. amen. It must end. So back to John chapter 15 that we read, it says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you. So prayer is a place where the word of God prevails over your intentions. In the garden of Gethsemane, you don't want to go to the cross. But this is how we know you have prayed. When at the end, that exceeding sorrowful that came with you to Gethsemane has lifted. And with boldness, you say, this is the time and the hour of darkness. Let's go. You say, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Before you prayed, there were people you swore never to forgive. They don't deserve forgiveness. But the word of God could prevail upon you. And make you do something you did not want to do. Namely to forgive. It says the word of God must abide in you. What I'm talking about is a major problem in the church. Because the people out there cannot understand the contradiction. You pray a lot. So why are you so wicked? Why? The unforgiveness. Why are you acting like this? You pray and you, and you fast. Why are you doing this? And so the Bible says in Isaiah 58, the last text I want to talk about, it says, is this not the fast that I have chosen? To lose the bands of wickedness, to let the oppressed go free. Meaning you cannot be prayerful and be a wicked boss at, at work. They don't go hand in hand. They don't. But somehow, we've bought this idea of the contradiction that it's okay. That we can be prayerful and not allow prayer to vet our lives and point us to the things that must be corrected. You can be prayerful and yet there are siblings who don't see eye to eye in your family and all of them go to church. The word of God must abide in you. It hinders your prayers. Oh, listen, in case you didn't know, you know, when the Bible says husbands should not be bitter against their wives, he said so that your prayers will not be hindered. Sir, I know she might have hurt you, but you will hinder your prayer <laughs> for your own good. Let me tell you something. This is my picture of someone who chooses to forgive. I see the person as someone who saves someone from drowning instead of drowning with the person. I'm not an expert, but people who swim will tell you 
If someone is drowning, your good intention to save the person might put you in trouble because the person is desperate not to drown. And so he can catch you and grab you instead of actually trying to float and both of you drown. And so you must come with tact, wisdom, and intelligence. In fact, some of them will allow you to exhaust all your fighting strength before they help you. Or they come from behind, you know, and just push you suddenly. I'm not an expert, but these are the stories I've heard, you know. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, when you forgive someone, You have to understand, you are like someone who was drowning and allowed himself to be saved. You have a choice to hold the person and both of you drown together. You think you are holding something against the person to punish the person. But listen, you can never do that without you being injured. It's not possible. You'll be hurt in the process. And this is the worrisome part. Some people don't care. I don't mind taking pain as long as the person is pained. But this is the frustrating part. God is not going to stop blessing the person to, to prove a point to the person because you're angry. Your wound is going to get larger. You block the person. You use another account. You're checking the person. <laughs> and the person is moving on. Can't you see you are in prison? You are in bondage. You are a vigilante now. <laughs> you have an extra job monitoring the progress of someone else, checking all the person's stories. You are pretending to be uninterested. You are hissing. What is it? What is it? <laughs> Hallelujah. And what I'm talking about is as old as the Bible. Jesus told a story, very touching story, about a man, a Samaritan. No, sorry, he didn't tell us the, the, um, where the first person was from. But this person on his journey was attacked by robbers. And he was going to die if no one helped him. He's on the road. And this is what the Bible says. A Levite walked past him and did not help. And then a priest walked past him and did not help. Listen, they were coming from Jerusalem. That means they had just executed their duties as priests, as Levites. They were coming from church. Oh my God. This is a contradiction we see in our day often. You're coming from church. What, what did you pray about? What word did you hear that will make you see someone gasping for breath and then you just walk past? What kind of Christianity is this? Two Christian brothers, sworn enemies. Where, what Bible are you reading? And I want to tell you something. You might have hindered prayers in your family by this behavior. The Lord asked me to tell you this. No matter the man of God who prays for you, 
if you don't let go of this. And I want to beg our mommies and daddies. You see, our mommies and daddies, for some reason, are the ones who hold on to this kind of attitude. You know, some children grow up in some families and some things are taboos. And they don't, want even, they don't even want to explain it to you. Don't have anything to do with this family. We, we school our children in strife. In 1914, his great-grandfather did this to us. Therefore, he must have nothing to do with your kafos. Those are the kind of things we hear. You say, why the kafos? I don't know. <laughs> example, example. But those are the kind of things we hear. This person cannot be with your friend, not because he did anything or she did anything, but because of the person's surname. Because aeons ago, his great-grandfather, who you don't know, stole Kokoyam from your great-grandfather. And that matter is unresolved till now. And you can be a minister of the gospel coming from the temple, seeing someone gasping for breath and you walk past the person. Why did Jesus tell the story? He told us the story to let us know that you can be so high in office and so low in love. There is something about love that releases the power of God in his fullness. I'm telling you, this is a powerful principle in prayer. When I'm done preaching and I ask you to hold the person by your side and intercede, if you really love that person, I'm talking about agape, the God kind of love, you know, from your heart, there is a power that will be released. Some of you have not seen that type of power in your life before. So back to the text, it says, the heart felt. Oh my God, heartfelt, heartfelt. There is something about heartfelt prayer that releases the power of God. This was one of the secrets of Jesus' ministry. More often than not, you see the Bible say that Jesus was moved with compassion. Listen, compassion can move you. Compassion can stir up power in you. Moved with compassion, healed them. Moved with compassion. Listen, you know, even when it came to Five loaves being multiplied. He was moved with compassion. These people have been with me for many days. I can't let them go like that. There is something about compassion that makes creative power to be possible. Moved with compassion. Matthew 14, 14. He was moved with compassion when he saw sick people. Moved with compassion. Be careful how culture dulls your compassion. Because in doing so, your flow of power will be dulled. Now, you are driving on the road. You are so used to seeing children who have no business on the road, on the road. They even irritate you. What they are doing might be wrong. They just come. Your car that you have washed, they pour soap on it. Am I preaching or not? And you are so irritated, you want to slap them. 
What did you do to be born to the family you were born to? What did you do? How much did you pay? Don't you see that there is literally nothing that differentiates you from that person? Nothing. You are where you are by the grace of God. Are you listening to me? Simple things like this make power powerful, prayer powerful. The bowels of compassion, it releases creative force. I'm telling you, creative ability in the name of Jesus. This is, this is what makes prayers answered. The word of God must abide in you. You must act it. You must live it. I want to give you a few minutes. Or let me say I'm going to give you a few minutes. Let me just move past my material and, and then we're going to pray. Anyone who is kept in the prison of your heart, you must let them go today. Are you aware it's a condition? Forgive us as our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. It's an uncommon principle in prayer. We don't hear it much. It says, when you stand to pray, forgive. When you stand to pray, forgive. For your own sake, forgive. Forgive daddy. Forgive uncle. It's been 16 years, sir. 16 years. Eight years. Five years. This is the word of the Lord to you. Forgive. You want to see the power of God move in this service? Release people from your heart. Amen, somebody. Oh, my God. There is a word that you might have seen many times, but it didn't really make sense because, you know, KJV, you know, you just feel it's some religious jargon. The word is supplication. Have you heard of that word before? More often than not, when the Bible is teaching on prayer, it goes hand in hand with supplication. Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known before the Lord. Ephesians 6.18, praying with all prayer and supplication in the spirits. 1 Timothy 2, from verse 1 to 2. Therefore, I exhort first and foremost that supplications and prayers and intercessions be given, with giving of thanks be made for all men. What is supplication? It means to give a heartfelt request. A heartfelt request. When you pray for someone you care about, it hits different, doesn't it? I've told you the story many times. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I've seen supplication in my family many times. For the benefit of those who might not have heard this, one common one. My mom was taken with arthritis for, many for, many, for, for a long time. And she was a lot younger then. And it came gradually from just simple joint pains. She be we began to tie bandages. Listen, until we tied bandages on as many joints as we could tie. And it kept getting worse until she was bedridden. She was on, in bed. She couldn't go to work. She couldn't move. Crying all day. Oh, my God. And then that night, 
I could see the love in my father's eyes. He called all of us to the room. He pointed at her in the bed and said, this woman must be healed today. Thank God for the anointing, but you see, there was something about love that stirred up. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, this is why God insists that we must love one another. We will see more power. I'm not telling you something I read in a book. From that night till now, all the symptoms gone. What I'm telling you happened more than 10 years ago. Gone. You see, you can't persuade me against the miraculous. I've seen too much. <laughs> I've seen it firsthand. I went to our family house, you know, just days ago. And my dad was talking about some of the things that we, we have seen. And how this man who had three companies was doing well, everything shut down. And for about two years, no job. So he entered the lobby. As he was entering the lobby, I, we, we, as we were talking about it, we still pointed at the place, you know. As he was entering the lobby, he said, except someone's life depends on it. Don't come to that room. I'm praying. And he was there for three days. Are you listening to me? Pray. And on the third day, a phone call came in. My sister picked. Tell your daddy we've been looking for him. He must come to Abuja now, now, now. Listen, I'm not talking about when someone is still on his knees when the prayer, the answer to prayer comes. I'm not talking about the book I read. Got a job on the spot. He had, not, he had not finished praying. He was still praying. Tell him to come to Abuja now. And we were laughing about it because in the prayer, and that's why you need to be specific when you pray. He said, God, look at the children you've given me. All I want is to be able to take care of them. Let them finish their school. Now, my youngest brother just paid his final school. And that job ended. <laughs> just, my youngest brother just paid. The next month, no work again. Something long explanation, government, something, something, no work. I, I've seen it too many times. But one thing that stirs up this kind of power is compassion. Hallelujah. So I want you, I want to give you a few minutes as you are seated. As the Lord forgive you, without conditions, without looking at the extent of your, of, of your, of your atrocities, he just forgave you. Even the people around might be annoyed that God gave you a chance. He doesn't care. When the woman with the alabaster box is doing all that she's doing, People are angry. They are saying, this man is not a man of God. If he is a man of God, he will know how wicked this woman is. All the things she has done to herself. And he will not even give her audience. But Jesus says, well, he that is forgiven much will love much. You can't receive so much forgiveness and refuse to reciprocate. Right now, release anyone who is in the prison of your heart. I'm telling you, 
Some of you, when you do this, nobody will need to pray about that sickness. You will be healed on the spot. I'm telling you as a prophet. You will be healed on the spot. They told you before, forgive this person. You said over my dead body, now you are sick. Now you are sick. So will you forgive now? Or is it still over your dead body? Sometimes I speak in generalistic terms, but I'm talking to someone. I'm talking to someone. Ah, ah. Yeah, the person swindled you millions. God is El Shaddai. He will give you another one. When you dig a well and they seize it, the word of the Lord is not to go and fight. The word of the Lord is dig another one. The same God who gave you that first one will give you another one. That's the grace on your life. Don't you know the grace on your life? You, the, the blessing of God on your life cannot be frustrated. You can, you, it cannot be frustrated. You are too blessed to be petty. The Lord told me that 10 times last month, I've blessed you too much to be petty. I've he said, you, ha you are too large. When you see someone being small, it, it, it comes with a package. The Lord was telling me. It's not everything you beat a child for. He just children will be children. The Lord, is the Lord has to prepare your heart for greatness because some of you, the way you are petty, if greatness comes, nations will suffer. Let him walk on your heart now. What's that? And you think you are deep. <laughs> this kind of smelling coat is that. They, don't, they didn't know that we are Gary, we rise. You think you are deep. <laughs> Forgive, Joe. Let me tell you something. Even well-meaning people disappoint. Not everybody who dated you and broke up meant to break up. It just didn't work. Move on, sir. Move on, ma. You don't have a choice, so you are a child of God. You can't receive the blood of Christ and refuse to reciprocate. You must forgive. In the name of Jesus, forgive. <laughs> I give you 20 more seconds. This is very important. When you do this well, the rest will be easy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.